This is In the Studio with Michael Card, our weekly visit. I'm Wayne Shepard. Welcome to our program today. Michael, I now know why we come to Franklin to do this program. I'm just, it's just dawned on me. You've why. just now figured that out? Take, I'm a slow learner. <laughs> this is where everybody is that uh, who contributes to your life, and that's, that's why we're here. That's absolutely right. Yeah. All my buddies Not are here. everybody, but uh, this is a great community. It is. Thank you. Thank you. God has blessed us. We, we prayed for a long time com- for community, not really knowing what that meant. And then, I don't know, three, four years into it, God gave us community. Hmm. And, uh, and we have one of the most important people in terms, for me anyway, of that community here uh, right now. Scott Rowley is here, my best friend. All right, Scott, welcome back. It's good to be here, Wayne. Yeah, you're it's doing always, well? I'm doing very well. Mm-hmm. And it's always good to be with Michael. And, you're, uh, you're here with a new hip. I have a new hip. I had a hip replacement in July. Boy, you're young to have a hip replacement. I am. Thank (laughs) Thank you for saying that. Before we go any further, let me introduce another friend who will join us later, uh, Denny Denson. Oh, yeah. We'll come by the studio. We'll talk about uh, how to prepare for the year ahead spiritually. And Mm. uh, Denny always has such good things to share. We look forward to having Denny here with us. Scott, you know Denny very well. Absolutely. Sorry we couldn't get the two of you together here today, but... uh, We've divided the program this way. That so. might have been too much. So maybe. Denny, yeah, Denny and I see way too much of each other yeah. every week. Yeah. So. Well, let's open the scriptures together, but not until we hear Michael sing a song. Scott, uh, do you think that would be a good idea? I think it'd be wonderful. All right. So Michael has a song called We Will Find Him. We're going to open to Matthew chapter 2. We'll discuss the wise men here in just a moment. And look at this. The song deals with that very topic. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Brian Howell accompanies on the piano. We Will Find Him. Two, one, two, three. On a day like any other, in our search to find the truth, we turn so many musty pages. In our hope to find some clue Then the words left from the parchment From Jacob shines a star That a wordless one who is the word Will be worth a journey
This is Matthew's second chapter, verses 1 through 12. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We have seen his star as it arose, and we have come to worship him. Herod was deeply disturbed by their question, as was all of Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law. Where did the prophets say the Messiah would be born, he asked them. In Bethlehem, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. O Bethlehem of Judah, you are not just a lowly village in Judah, for a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod sent a private messenger to the wise men, asking them to come and see him. At this meeting, he learned the exact time when they first saw the star. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. Once again, the star appeared to them, guiding them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house where the child and his mother Mary were, and they fell down before him and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But when it was time to leave, they went home another way, because God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Michael, earlier this mm-hmm. month, we've talked about some of the prophecies of the coming of Christ. We've talked about even the star yep, of Bethlehem. what the star was. Jacob's star. Uh, today, let's focus in on the wise men. Mm. Yeah, first first off, uh, there weren't necessarily three of them. There could have been 300 of them. No. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> of course, we think there were three because there were three gifts. Three gifts, yeah. But uh, that that's an interesting thing to put in the into your imagination to, to to imagine instead of three, maybe, you know, hundreds. Scott, yeah. how many do you imagine there yeah. were? I don't know. All yeah. I know is they were different kind of people. Yeah. And part of the text that sort of encourages you is that they're from a place far off, yeah. somewhere different. And I think that the international character of the gospel is always present. Yeah. And in and around the child, then, you hear you have an international representation. The first people to worship him. Yeah, have come from Persia, probably. Yeah, learned men. Uh, these were these were Zoroastrian priests. They were uh, people who read the religious writings of all the world's uh, religions, all the Bibles. And what's most interesting to me about them is I think that the the very fact that they would take a trip like this, and in these days you 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 never knew if you were going to come back alive from a trip like this, as as far as they went. Um, all of the knowledge of all the world's religions was not enough. There was still something that made them hungry enough. Uh, They were looking for the truth, and uh, they left on this journey when they saw the the star. We believe the passage, we read it in Numbers, the prophecy of Balaam uh, about a star coming out of uh, Jacob, that we think that's the passage that uh, got them on their journey. Mm -hmm. But they were hungry for something. Mm And they found it. Uh, they, they, the first place they went to was the palace where Herod was, where naturally, naturally you would go. Right. And lo and behold, the star leads them to a barn. And they look for a king, you know, and sort of the kingly pose that we give them. I'm not sure exactly how we would how we would discern that, but yeah. the reality is there of, of wealth enough to make this kind of a journey mm-hmm. and give those um, kind of gifts. Exactly. Yeah. And so yeah. their their own um, kingliness in a sense, looking for the king. Yeah. And the, the beauty and the paradox of the one who would be king is the child yeah. who's born in this rough um, place away from the palace. Yeah, and sleeping in a, in a cattle trough. But uh, still, and I credit them uh, this, they, they see the infant and they recognize that this is the wisdom of God. And you might think that they would have a disagreement or at least some kind of dialogue. I mean, right. my, as they stumbled up to that, you can't, you got to hear them saying, <laughs> maybe we missed that, maybe this is another star. Yeah. Maybe we, you know, hey, you know, read hey, that Joe. chart again. Yeah, look at that. Again. <laughs> Take a second look. But that is true. That yeah. The spirit is so profound in his yeah. in his revelation that here here's the child that they are struck with the same yeah. worship that we're struck with. They worship him, and we know from uh, from other sources that these priests uh, were, and actually Daniel was uh, one of these uh, magi when he was in Persia. Hmm. Uh, they they were possessors of secret wisdom. They they had special 
um, uh, secret phrases that only they knew that they had to be uh, present at special occasions to utter these phrases, to make them official, that sort of thing. And what's in, in, in incredible to me is when they find Jesus, uh, they don't seem to say much. Hmm. They worship. Their, their response is to fall down. You know, the thought just occurred to me, I wonder if we would have written them off as being too intellectual and, you know, too highbrow mm-hmm. to ever uh, well, the Jews, fit our th- little the, thinking, little the, system. The Jews would certainly write them off because they weren't Jewish. Right. But uh, all sorts of reasons to write them off. Yeah. Uh, but God doesn't write anybody off. Mm-hmm. And, and, and amazing, uh, people like that who, I think you're right, Wayne. They have all the learning, yeah, and have all the knowledge the world has to offer. And then who, who's the other group that God reveals this to? The, the shepherds. shepherds. I think yeah. the same yeah, thing. Yeah, who right. were outcasts, who were uh, perpetually sort of unclean and couldn't be part of the, the worship either. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. So you really have the contrast of the two, the two classes there, really, don't right. you? Yeah, and he's Lord of all, and yeah. he reaches to both. What yeah. a connection he is. You know, he comes for the poor, um, reminding those that are wealthy that unless we're poor in spirit, we can't, you know, we're, we're, unless we are the poor, we're not going to see him. We, yeah. We're not going to really understand. He yeah. preaches good news to the poor. Yeah, and that's a good way of putting it. There, e- even with the, this wealth of knowledge they had, there was still a poverty in their souls right. Right. That, that got them there. And it's the hunger that was the gift that got them there. Hmm. That's great. Yeah. Wow. Well, Scott, you're the holder of the scripture here for us today. You have the NLT version in hand there that we're reading from on this program. Let's go a little deeper in Matthew chapter 2. Yeah, this is a wonderful translation, by the way. And I, I want to just comment as I set this up. Think about Christmas in a new way, um, perhaps even now as we've come through Christmas. But think about this, that this is an Asian-born baby. Jesus mm-hmm. is Asian-born. And he is going to be a refugee in North Africa. Mm-hmm. He's taken into Africa as a refugee. So for all of us that um, have a heart for the refugee movement, for understanding the, 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 the realities of our, of our Lord and the homeless, um, let's just listen to this passage. Verse 13, after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up and flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to try to kill the child. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he learned that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under because the wise men had told him the star first appeared to them about two years earlier. Herod's brutal action fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah. A cry of anguish is heard in Ramah, weeping and mourning unrestrained. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. We see Herod exercising uh, his power in in the way that uh, uh, the spirit of the age is often you know, expressed itself, uh, and that is by slaughtering innocent children. We saw it. Uh, we saw it with the Romans. We saw it with uh, someone even in close to our own time, like Hitler. Mm-hmm. We see it today in in Sudan, in uh, Afghanistan, in places where uh, uh, Bosnia, where genocide, where children are killed. It's a spirit of the age. So you see Herod's actions here as carrying out the devil's plans, really. You see the spirit of the age at work in him and through him. Right. We saw Pharaoh. We saw that when Pharaoh tried to kill uh, Moses, you know, when when, uh, the the Hebrews were, you know, growing too large and they started killing babies. And it's interesting to me how often the focus of the devil's, uh, you know, wrath or whatever you want to call it, uh, hate, uh, evil uh, is focused on little innocent children. Hmm. Scott, we've talked a lot about this. I mean, we've we've uh, worked together a lot about this. Right. You know, it's uh, it's always our you know celebration that God, you know, in His mind and heart knew us in creation, knit us together wonderfully in our mother's womb. We understand that, and then then there comes this remarkable ability. Um, with the worst of humanity to destroy life, mm-hmm. and it really, in a lot of ways, our coming together. We kind of laughed about singing on a, on a commercial, but our coming together in the context of of the pro life movement of, mm-hmm. of a life, saying that life is worth our work and, yeah. um, and our efforts, in protection, through foster care, adoptive care, um, some of the, the avenues and, and abilities and instruments that that the Lord has given to us, the doctrine of adoption, which is so clearly 
and beautifully uh, woven through Paul's texts and Paul's writing, yeah. the help of seeing how adoption is is an answer to this to this kind of a, of a, of a, de- a devastating travesty. Mm. You know? Let's talk more about that in a few moments, but to help all of us think more deeply about what we've just read in the scriptures mm-hmm. here, Michael, would you do this song for us uh, that comes from this text? Yeah, this is, that, this is actually a song that Scott and I sang together for years on the road uh, called The Spirit of the Age. We were, we were always, I think, emotionally attached to the congregations or the concert audiences during this song, I think this had more impact as I watched your concert unfold. Yeah. People d- identified with the care for the, the babies. Yeah. Once again, the scriptures come to life here through Michael's music. Michael Card sings Spirit of the Age. that I heard crying coming through my door Was it Rachel weeping for her sons who were no more? Could it have been the babies crying for themselves Never understanding that they died for someone else The voices heard of weeping History speaks of it on every page Of innocent and helpless little babies Offerings to the spirit of the age voice that speaks from hell sacrifice your children and for you it will be well the subtle serpent's lying his dark and ruthless rage behold it is revealed to be the spirit of the age a voice is heard of it on every page of innocent and helpless little babies offerings to the spirit of the age soon all the ones who seem to die for nothing will stand beside the ancient of death That does bring back great memories and um, great joy uh, to know that our Lord is a baby and that baby is the one who survives. And the good news is that he grows to be the man uh, who would save our souls mm. and hallelujah for his victory. And so to save us from the spirit of the age. Amen. Mm, yeah. uh, the, the final part of the scripture from 19 um, down through 23 reads this way. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew t- uh, chapter 2, 19 through 23. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and told him, Get up and take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who are trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph returned immediately to Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid. Then in another dream he was warned to go to Galilee. So they went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what was spoken by the prophets concerning the Messiah. He will be called a Nazarene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's wonderful to see. Isn't it 
isn't it wonderful to see dreams? Um, you know, yeah. I know that Mike has, has done wonderful work in, in the idea or with the idea of dreams. Yeah. But to see dreams being the way God's communicating. Yeah, God speaks to Joseph in dreams. He yeah. speaks to Mary uh, with angelic visitations. And I always say it's because Joseph is the, the kind of person that can believe a dream. You know, because being the father of Jesus would sort of be a dream, (laughs) you know, in and of itself. And he spoke to the wise men in dreams. So, yeah, very interesting. And I also read this this word, the angel says, uh, you know, those who are trying to kill Jesus are dead. But the fact is, you know, he'll be safe for 20, 25, 30 years. But once he starts his ministry, almost from the very beginning, there are going to be people waiting to take his life. You know, not just at the end, but all through his life, he right. was pursued by people who were, who had vowed to kill him. Right. When when someone says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father and I are one. You start making those kind of comments. <laughs> yeah. It's the heat's inviting. Gonna start. It's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And that definitely happened with Jesus. But for now, uh, there's, you know, he sort of disappears now for at least until he's 12 years old, that little passage in Luke. And as far as we know, he's learning a carpenter trade. He's learning what it's like to have brothers and sisters and deal with them. Because I, I don't think his, his family life was the easiest family life in the world, mm-hmm. at least not from what we can gather mm-hmm. in John and some other places. And he's a Nazarene. He is a, he is a person with an address and a family, and uh, he's taken on humanity fully for us. But yeah. let me come back to something we talked about before the song, and that was our love for the pro-life position, mm-hmm. because all of that would have been thwarted if yeah. the spirit of the agent had his way yeah. with the child Jesus. And, and that's, that's very sobering to us today. Right. We battle that same spirit today. And I think courageously yeah. we can step forward and say that um, what, what the gospel does when we become reoriented to Jesus, when we see Jesus perfect as our father, as our, as our you know the one who saved us, the one who welcomes us to his to his house, the one who relocates so that 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 re, so that that um, that welcome would be made clear. We then can be welcoming to those around us. And there are so many children who have no homes. Right. There are children who are fatherless, motherless. Well, their futures have been taken away from them. That's so sad. Absolutely, cut off just like these children. In a sense, they lost their lives. These these young ones today have lost their futures. And their names. And I think in some sense we have an opportunity to be um, that parent and to love them and to be flesh and blood, um, in a sense, a savior to them. Uh, The reality is that Christ's hands and his love, his feet, his lips, um, the way he cares for each of us is through each other. And um, and that's a that's an important part of this. Yeah, and I think it's important that the listeners know that Scott has has, has actually acted on. And he's not just talking; he has uh, uh, three, three adopted children. Yes, three, yeah. three wonderful adopted yeah. children. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we've had uh, Bob and uh, Dinah Smith, oh, yeah. who've fostered seventy or eighty yeah. children. So, in in our community, and and again, I think this is a community issue. We talk a lot about community here. But uh, it's the community, I think, that enables families like Scott's family and, mm-hmm. and Bob and Dinah to, yeah. uh, to do that. It, it shows up in a lot of practical ways, too. If, mm-hmm. if you're not able to adopt, it's, it's sort of taking that young man at work that, that everyone kind of overlooks and taking, taking a part in his life, encouraging him, mm-hmm. um, yeah. stepping out to those that are around you that just seem to be forgotten and yeah. lost and uh, to be that friend, yeah. that, uh, that someone who reaches out to them. Well, last night I was at Cub Scouts and Marquez, uh, one of the teachers at New Hope had brought Marquez so he could come and come, come to Cub Scouts. Yeah. You know what it is? It's a whole community right. coming along and, and, and helping those children. And I, I know it's a very caring position that we take, too, because um, we're not unconcerned for uh, perhaps a, a young woman who's uh, bearing a child out of wedlock. I mean, that's a very serious thing. We, we empathize, and we want to be part of the solution, though, rather right. than just right. ending that child's and, life. And she needs to know that there's a community of people that will love her and stand right. with her, right. even when other people will no longer stand with her because she's broken there. Yeah, absolutely. Code. Yeah. One of our first uh, foster children was a 16-year-old girl. Um, she had the baby while she was with us. Um, never went to church, never. I mean, she just, we would kind of drag her off to these places, yeah. but she never really went willingly. And then 10 years later, she called us out of the blue and just said, do you remember me? And of course we did. And of course her, you know, her heart had been captured by Christ. And she yeah. said, you know, I just want to know that I want you to know that, seeds that I saw, you, you know, what you modeled and, yeah. you know, I'm weeping now again. You know, <laughs> yeah, I knew you but would. That's, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. It's inevitable. But yeah. that's the truth. You just don't know 
what one loving, simple loving act does in the kingdom. Yeah, Hmm. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, Wayne, you you know your heart is in the middle of this conversation too, because you were adopted. Well, I got to tell you, I was sitting here listening to you talk about this and realizing I could have been one of those casualties. Yeah. I was born to an unwed teenage mother and mm. was later adopted. So, mm. um, and you're here because someone loved you and, yeah. and took you in. Yeah, that's yeah it's one of the great comforts is that Jesus Himself, well, with a mom um, who we can oftentimes identify with. She's yeah. pregnant. She's not pregnant in the usual way. Right. And therefore, for those moms that are listening even now, that, you know, you may be pregnant. You may be a teenager who's pregnant. You think there's no hope. Jesus understands. Jesus knows. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His own mother was mm-hmm. in, in the situation that you're in now. Yeah. And you're not alone. That's, mm-hmm. I think the, the two worst things I've heard, uh, and the, the things that cause more emotional uh, illness are uh, the feeling that things aren't the way they should be. And aloneness, being lonely, and and that's that's exactly what we're talking about. That's that's what the 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 orphaned and the the uh, uh, the unwed mothers and and the poor and all the disenfranchised that are represented in this nativity narrative. I mean, they're all there, and uh, and and that's us too. Right, and that's then, us too. and I say shame on the church when we talk about places like rescue missions that don't get supported by the church, mothers, mothers who don't get supported, adoptive care that doesn't get supported, yeah. and we could go on and on. Yeah. And, and let's, as the church, say no more. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's tragic when the, the very uh, community, the very body of people who should be nurturing them becomes the body that casts them out because mm-hmm. they haven't, you know, uh, they haven't reached the bar or that's whatever. A, that's a challenge to us today. Yeah, and uh, and there are people in churches right now who are listening to this program, and you need to hear this in love. Um, you know, it, as Scott says, it's time for that to stop. It's time for that to stop. Scott, you bring so much to our time in the Word together. Thank you for stopping by occasionally here. You're always welcome. You know that. It's always my great privilege to be with you, brothers. God bless you. And you are listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. We're coming up on the halfway point of this broadcast. We pray that God is using this time together to deepen your understanding of His Word. If that is happening, let us know. Send your email to inthestudio at michaelcard.com. And if you have a question about the Bible or the Christian life, you can pass that along too. Again, the email address is in the studio at michaelcard.com. Learn more about this program and Michael's music ministry when you log on to michaelcard.com. There's more ahead on the Moody Broadcasting Network. second part of today's program, we're going to ask you to sing for us in just a moment. I know a lot of people want to stay tuned because you're going to sing Join the Journey here. Also, Denny Denson will join us, your pastor. We'll mm. talk with Denny here in a few moments. But first, uh, we encourage our listeners to send us email. And here's a note from Don who says, Hi, first of all, I'd like to thank you for your weekly show. I always look forward to it as I start home from working overnight. While listening today, I heard something I thought needed to be addressed. Michael was expounding on the text in Matthew 10, 27, and finish by saying that we are to fear Satan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Don says, I think this interpretation is an error. Never that I know of are we told to fear the devil, but always to fear God. And uh, a couple of other lines here, but basically that's his question mm-hmm. about what you said on our previous program. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just looking at that passage and, uh, and trying to remember what I might have said. Um, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body. Uh, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Um, well, first of all, Don, no, I, I don't think you know categorically we're not supposed to fear Satan because uh, if we belong to Christ, uh, he he has conquered. We know who wins. Satan, yeah. But at the same time, and I don't know qu- quite what word to use. I, I like to think of First uh, Peter five, who says, "Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour." So, being alert, being aware. Um, and you know, there, if if I can define fear, in in that in that terms, I would say, yeah, there is a healthy mm-hmm. fear. I don't want to say respect because we certainly don't want to sure. respect the devil either. But there's a sense in which we recognize the power that Satan does have. Absolutely, although limited, it is power that he has, so we need to understand that. It and, is, and American Christians, by and large, take this way too lightly. Hmm. And uh, you know, you hear you you know, uh, our our friend Sam was in here the other day talking about. Uh, 
T-shirts that sort of, you know, yeah. goad the devil and that sort of stuff. Right. No, this is something that we take seriously, as Peter says. We're, we, we're humble about this, uh, but we're self-controlled and we're alert because this is our enemy. And he does have power. Uh, certainly, the the one who is in us is more powerful. Though, uh, and Jesus has he is a defeated enemy. Um, and so I, I don't know. I don't know if that exactly addresses what uh, Don was concerned concerned with. But I, I I certainly in a in a doctrinal way don't say we're supposed to fear the devil. But we certainly are supposed to be aware of his power. And uh, and we should certainly be careful and and stay stay out of those areas uh, where you know he's active. I and mean, we avoid yeah. Ouija boards and that sort of thing. Of course, thing. I understand yeah. that. Let me look at that from the other perspective, though. We are to fear God, and what what is entailed in that? Yeah. Well, yeah, and then that that's even more difficult to talk about. I mean, there is uh, there is uh, uh, there we can say respect. There we can uh, realize that uh, the the person that we're talking about is almighty mm-hmm. does have ultimate power uh, throughout the universe but um, at the same time that being is the father of Jesus who has been revealed to us through him as a father who loves us and who we are invited to ask anything and share anything with um, so I think that kind of fear has to do more with a godly respect the way we respect our fathers mm-hmm. um, I'm certainly the the unbelievers fear God in a different way than believers fear and respect God hmm. um, does that make sense it does yeah, yeah. Don thanks yeah. for your question yeah thanks Don uh, our email address is in the studio at michaelcard.com and we encourage these emails they yes. often encourage us as we get them so yeah it's, it's good to know that someone's listening and, and is willing to take time to interact amen well Michael you have a song I've told you this before but the lyrics to this song I have in two places. I have it in my office uh, in calligraphy form on the wall there, and we have it in our home. Wow. Uh, The same thing. And uh, my wife had that done as a Christmas present Ah, for me one year. Good for her. The song is Joy in the Journey. Mm -hmm. A little bit about the background where this came from in your life. Uh, Well, you know, I'm a a person who has always struggled with uh, depression and, and seeing the negative side of things. And I think joy is something that I've always been hungry for and uh, uh, thank God as, as I have sort of gotten older in the faith, it's something that he's given me more and more of. And so I think this song was written, uh, this song is probably 20 years old, <laughs> but this song was written out of a heart that really hungered uh, to realize that even though this is a journey and it's a difficult one, uh, there is, uh, that joy is an integral part of it. This can't be 20 years old. Really? I think it is, yeah. Wow. I think it is. Well, let's ask him to sing it. Michael Card here in the studio.
Michael, that song is appropriate at any time and any place, but here at the start of a new year, I think it has added significance. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. We have a friend here who has certainly brought a lot of joy in my life just mm-hmm. to be my friend and to stand with me and to, and, uh, to even put up with me. Uh, <laughs> I notice how you light up when, whenever Denny comes to the yeah, studio. Yeah. Good friend, <laughs> Denny Denson. Welcome, brother. Thank you. Uh, uh, you know why he lights up. Uh, I won't forget the last time we were together, and he made me sing with him. And so I, <laughs> you know, I, did, I didn't think I would that's be back. Right. But I, uh, so, yeah, but like, like I said before, only a friend will make a fool of himself. <laughs> a so, what's the song you brought today, Denny? Uh, oh yeah, I will sing solo. <laughs> <laughs> Denny Denson is a pastor in Franklin, Tennessee. What's the name of the church there, Denny? First Missionary Baptist Church. First Missionary Baptist, your church, Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk f- together about. Uh, here we are. I mean, we're not really into New Year's resolutions, but by the same token, there are some things that we can kind of work on and and resolve with the Lord's help to to do better at. Now, what what are some of those things for you, Denny? I have resolved that I need to listen to the voice of the Lord more. Uh, If I do that, then I I think I will be able to make the strides and get better as I need to. Uh, I find that that we we, we say the things that we need to do and we don't have the strength to do them. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to teach me how to listen to the voice of the Lord more. Mm. Uh, Do you think, is this coming out of the revival? Yes. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Well, here at the church, we, uh, for the past six weeks, uh, we, we had a revival to break out. A, a and this was not a scheduled revival. No, it's not like, no it wasn't yeah, something that, that, that was scheduled. Yeah. We had a, uh, our regular Sunday service, and, yeah. and uh, we were getting ready for the benediction, and a 14-year-old girl uh, said that she needed to say something to the church, and she repented. She asked her mom and dad to forgive her. Uh, for causing disturbances, she had lied, and and chaos had broken out in the house, and and she repented. And I looked around, and there were about eight more uh, <laughs> kids uh, between ages of fourteen and twenty-two years old that was re- that was repenting. And I looked around, and the whole the whole front of the church was full, and, and just people, opened the floodgate. Yes, and 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 what that does is that. It, it says one thing that that we are listening to the voice of the Lord, and and you mentioned about uh, what can we do for the new year. Uh, I I do believe if we just acknowledge to God our wrong, yeah. get rid of those weights that that hinder us from uh, moving forward in Him or developing a better relationship with Him, which is sort of the opposite of saying I'm going to be better. Mm-hmm. It's realizing you know I can't, I can't be, be better. better. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, 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 well you know uh, the closer you get. Uh, in the Lord, uh, the more you feel the presence of the Lord, mm. the more sinful you realize that you are. Yeah. Mm. And, and and so I, I think once we realize how how sinful we are and admit that to God, I, you know, I, I think our lives will be much better. Yeah. Well, what, so what's it what's it been looking like with you? You said you you resolved to listen more to the Lord. I mean, is that is that, what else has come what, out of that revival? Oh, oh uh, what, what another thing has come out that out of that revival is that. Uh, probably in the last six or eight weeks, uh, maybe you know, couple of months, I have uh, I have felt better about my relationship with the Lord, walking mm-hmm. with the Lord. Uh, um, I, I I feel, uh, must I say, a love from Him that I've really never felt before, mm-hmm. and and it's and it's not on His part mm-hmm. that He hasn't but, increased His love. No, no, but what has happened? I have surrendered mm-hmm. to Him. I, I have uh, uh, mm-hmm. resolved the fact that I have to just really yield to Him, not in words, but I have to physically uh, uh, yield to Him and and just surrender and just hear His voice. Mm-hmm. You know, this is interesting to me, Denny, because I know from talking to Michael that there was a period of time this year, the year that you set aside. And it was a time of rest and, and study, right? Yes. Well, well, well. What what happens? And, and and this is not something that normally happens in a within the black congregation, and that is uh, for for a pastor to take a, a leave uh, uh, from the church, and and the church saw fit for me to spend uh, thirty days uh, uh, to just pray and meditate and and just 
visit with the Lord. Yeah, they said, don't we don't even want to see you on Sunday. Absolutely. Don't even show up. Well, good, good I, for I, them. I, didn't, I mean, that I, took I, vision. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't preach anything, but uh, the strange, strange thing happened on that is that uh, I didn't, I gathered books and all of these things that I was going <laughs> to yeah. read, read none of them. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I, and, uh, and a lot of uh, folk that are really, really followers of Christ are going to say, well, how could he do that? I, I think I, I, I read the Bible about five times huh. during that whole time, but the Lord was just, the Holy Spirit was just dealing with me hmm. uh, as to my relationship with him. Yeah. And, and out of that, this is what came. And, and, mm. and I, I mean, I spent uh, just hours just in the park, walking, just meditating and, and just allowing the Lord to talk to me. Mm. And this is what happened. And so this is why I, I've said for this n- coming year, I, I've, I really want to learn. I mean, just by being able to hear him a little bit now, I see what has happened in my life. Mm. But, but what will happen if I really allow the Holy Spirit to teach me how to hear the mm. voice of the Lord? You know, Michael, this goes all the way back uh, quite a while now to one of our conversations with the late Bill Lane mm-hmm. about the cycle of discipleship. Mm-hmm. You know, there was that time of rest, yes. wasn't there? Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I would say this, and, and that is to those who are laboring in the vineyard, if it's any way possible, mm. for that time for rest, it's needed. Mm. Because we know our Savior, a lot of times they were looking for him and he would be gone. That's right. They couldn't mm. find him. You yeah. know, a lot of people are in the situation, let's face it, where they can't just walk away from responsibilities. For, they don't have that freedom to do that for right. 30 days or, right. or so. But you have to find those those moments, right. moments. don't you? And and, uh, I mean, Joe, our producer sitting here, has, has had a real close walk with the Lord the last few months, and the idea is that God redeems the time. Yes. When you spend that time with the Lord, it's not like you don't have time to get everything else done. That's yeah. the remarkable thing about it. Yeah. But, but, well, you know, I, I never would have thought that that kind of time would be given to me. Uh, because uh, before it happened, I think I might have mentioned it to Mike. I said, man, I really need some time to get away, yeah. you know. And I was only thinking about a couple of three days, and, <laughs> you know. And Mike said, well, why don't you come go on the road with me? He gave me the key to to the doghouse yeah. and, and, and these, these kind of things. Yeah, that's but, your, kind of your retreat center up the hill here, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. But, but what happened is that the Lord was intervening for me. He was laying it on the heart of the, the elders, the deacons of the church. Yeah. Well, let me talk to the two of you about how do we listen to God? I mean, how do we, how do we make sure that we're in that place that Denny's talking about, Mike? Well, I mean, God speaks to us all sorts so, of ways, right? right? Yes. I mean, I think he speaks most clearly, most authoritatively. I mean, he doesn't stutter in his word. Right. And I think that's where we learn to hear the sound of his voice and, and it becomes familiar to us. And, and not only that, when God speaks, it's not a multiple choice. You, you're not uh, saying, I wonder if this is what you want. I mean, he's precise, yeah. like Mike said, doesn't yeah. stutter. And if you're really open, you will know when he speaks. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, when you was a kid growing up and you had, you've done something wrong. And, <laughs> and if your, your mom or dad call you, you know right away. Yeah. You, yeah. No, 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 There's no escaping. No this escaping, one. right. Yeah. So, so when, when you've really surrendered, uh, are, are learning how to surrender, then you know when he speaks. Yeah. You, you know, you know. And he, he speaks through the silence of prayer, and yes. I think that's what Denny's been experiencing. I think we, we're afraid of silence because it says too much. Yes. That's why we turn on the radio, turn on the TV, and fill yeah. it up. Yeah. But then when you just get to that point where you, you can listen as God speaks in the silence of your heart, I mean, it's and it's always amazing what he says. It's not, nothing you ever expected. You don't make it up. No. Um, but, you know, it, it's strange you mention about the silence, and that is that uh, I, I've always been a people person. I, I've always been around people. I've always, you know, have been involved, you know, been around someone. But during that time of sabbatical, I would leave home, go out in the park, and and uh, I, I first started getting out of the car, but I know so many people, they would come. So I would stay in the car. Yeah. let the seat back and I would just lay there for yeah. hours hmm. and and that was very unusual for me hmm. uh, because I'm the type of person that I'm I, I have to be doing something hmm. and, and that kind of thing but but to be able to for the Lord to still me at that point was probably one of the best things ever happened to me yeah. did it take a few days to get over the performance idea you know I had I should be doing something productive oh, here I, I it took 
I, I really felt bad. I mean, to be truthful, well, Mike know me extremely well. I, I, I felt bad. I said, man, I said, you know, the church is paying me and I'm not doing anything. <laughs> you know, I, I really felt bad about the whole situation. But but God, God is faithful. And what he did after a couple of days, he gave me a sense of peace mm. and tranquility about the whole mm. thing. Yeah. Now, and what, you have to see the connection between that and what has happened in the church sure, since. Right. Sure. And the revival, because what happened is that I, after I came back off a of sabbatical for 16 weeks I, on, in Bible class, I taught on the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, for 16 weeks. And, yeah. and right on the heel of that came the revival. And now, it wasn't one that was scheduled. It was one that the Lord brought about. The Lord scheduled. Yes. Now, was there a humility lesson, too, to be away for 30 days and realize that the world kept spinning and the uh, church well, didn't <laughs> fall down and someone else preached? And <laughs> oh, oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, you, you, you know, uh, and, and, and from that, I've learned that, that uh, I, I don't have to do everything, yeah. uh, that there are those that will. And, and so we, we have kind of restructured. That's good. Uh, uh, I, I don't teach Bible class on Wednesday night anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we've got someone there, uh, Roberta. Roberta. She, teach, mm-hmm. she teaches Bible class on Wednesday Roberta's night. Roberta's been here with us. Yes. Yeah. yes. And, and what a lot of listeners don't, don't uh, understand, especially in the, in the black church, the oh, pastor oh, yeah. does everything. Yes, yes. Uh, when, when you go to our church, when they hand you the bulletin, Denny's home phone number is at the top of the bulletin. Right. If somebody needs a ride from the hospital, yes. some, it, they call Denny. Yes. And, uh, I, you know, I'd never, I hadn't been in touch with that. Yeah. Uh, until well, I started going to church. Well, well see, un- unlike uh, a lot of churches, you know, we've got a staff of one. <laughs> and and, uh, and we, we've got volunteers that do things, but they work during the day. So, yeah. so therefore, a lot is expected. Uh, when, and, and I won't say expected, but I feel that there are things that I need to do as a servant for the congregation. Yeah. But, but if, uh, you know, uh, I, I think the thing that for me, for coming up to the new year, is that I just want to really, I want the Holy Spirit to really teach me how to hear the voice of the Lord. Yeah, and I, I hope the pastors out there are listening uh, and put, putting two and two together because the best thing you could do for the congregation is listen to God. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And for those who aren't pastors, we have a responsibility there, too, to, to, to let them do that, to yeah. support them in doing yes. that. Yeah. yeah. I hope there's some, some deacon members of deacon boards or elder boards listening yeah. out there that realize, you know, our pastor hasn't had a significant break mm. in years. What, how do, it had been eight years? How long has it been? I, I, no, I, I've been there 12 years. Yeah. And, and I've only had, you know, a week here, a week there, and, and but... Uh, this is the first time that what well, that time was the first time I'd been more than two weeks out of the pulpit. Wow. Yeah, but lest someone misunderstands, this is not just for pastors. The, no, no, no. This, this absolutely. Is for all I, I agree. Um, well, 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 see, what happens is that uh, uh, it, it boils back to what as when Paul in Corinthians is talking about the body. Mm-hmm. My feet don't do all the work. Neither do my hands. It takes my whole body in conjunction. Yeah. And so we need to realize that because, but in the, uh, the scenario is that what 20% of the people do, 80% of the work in the church. Yeah. Well, w- what we really need to do is that we need to distribute that. You know, yeah. We need to, because it, you can get burnt out. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, to, I, I, and I'm asking the Lord to, to teach me how to teach m- my congregation on how to listen to the voice of the Lord. Yeah. I, I don't just want to hear him. You know, I, I want everybody there to hear because yeah. it's a joy. Yeah. You know, it really is. Well, Denny, once again, I think you've put your finger on something that's going to oh, help yeah. all of us because, Michael, you know that uh, every one of us needs to, to spend more time listening and less time doing, don't yeah. we? Right. But, but, you know, we just, you know, it, it, it's, we just, to be able to, to say that, that God has allowed me to live long enough that I might know how mm. to listen to him, mm. you know, and to feel his presence. You know, every time I think about it, it just does something to me, yeah. you know, because I, I could have left here and, and, you know, I could have gone yeah. and not really know what it's, what it's like. You know, I, I thought I was hearing, yeah. but, I, but I wasn't hearing. Wow. But now I know I, I'm learning to hear. Well, Denny, I think you know then best how to pray for, for those of us who, who haven't uh, moved into that part of life yet. So would you pray for the listeners? Yes, oh yeah. Lord, we do thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, oh Lord, for your love, your grace, and your mercy. Lord, we thank you that you're no respect of person. So, Lord, we stand in the gap for those who need to learn to hear you. Mm. 
Lord, we pray by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit that you will teach us to hear you. Master, help us to stand still and, and hear you speak to us in the middle of silence. Uh, Lord, we live in a, a time when we're so busy and things are going on around us. But Lord, teach us how to steal away, as the old Negro spirituals say, steal away and be way down yonder by ourselves where, where we can hear you speak to us. Mm. And Lord, I'm so grateful that you're the kind of God that is able to do things like that for us. Mm. So Lord, we ask now that you would just move on the altars of hearts and teach us how to listen. Teach mm. us how to hear. Mm. Lord, teach us to enjoy the silent silence of your presence mm. for it's in the name of Jesus that we do ask it and for sake mm. we pray amen mm. Denny thanks for coming thanks for being my friend mm. yes our thanks to Pastor Denny Denson for joining us in the studio with Michael Card and it's our prayer that God will use this time together to challenge you to follow Christ faithfully if that is happening in your life, take a moment and let us know. Our email address is in the studio at michaelcard.com. And if you have a question about the Bible or the Christian life, you can pass that along too. Again, the email address is in the studio at michaelcard.com. Information about this broadcast is waiting for you online at www.michaelcard.com. Just go to the radio page for the details you need. And when you stop by, you'll want to explore the other features we have for you. As we come to the end of the year, see how you can make a difference in the lives of fellow believers around the world when you click on the Share the Word button. And then learn how you can stay connected with Michael's ministry in a section called The Community. And as always, you can check out the tour schedule for 2003, as well as the complete listing of books and CDs available for you. Our place on the web is easy to remember, michaelcard.com. And join us next week for more music and conversations centered on Christ. Our program engineer is Kenny Ferris. Our producer is Joe Carlson. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for being with us in the studio with Michael Card. In the Studio with Michael Card is a production of Community Broadcasting and the Moody Broadcasting Network.